Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. We got some, uh, some stuff we got to do and then we'll get to it this morning. I uh, just want to give you a heads up that um, we are going to, actually I'm going to dismiss the kids are like, we're out of here, we're ready to go. All right, so uh, elementary school, so what is that, first through fifth grade, you guys are heading out right now to, through the back. With your teachers, say goodbye to mom and pa, give them a high five, little kissy kiss, hugs, whatever you want to do. Some of them are like, I'm not even going to acknowledge them, I'm out. And then uh, middle school, you're heading back with Andrew there. You guys are going to have a good time out in the sunshine. All right. Hey, um, we have this Friday, we have a women's event. It is posted on our website and I believe on Facebook. Uh, Lorley, I completely forgot. What are you guys doing? Are you guys like having a dance party, karaoke? Well, I, I, I totally forgot. There we go. Craft night. This Friday night. So sign up just so we know how many people. And we're providing the crafts. And then just bring a little something, something with a little snacky snack. And then we're going to have a good time. So Friday night. Heads up now. Also, we're going to be heading down in October to uh, Tijuana uh, Christian Mission again. Looking forward to uh, uh, hanging out with them. So they just had their inauguration of their women's shelter. It's going great. And uh, we're going to go visit the kids this time, play some games, have some fun. And again, we hang out now with kids and teens together. So I know before you guys were like, I like the kids and the other ones, I like the teens. They're all together now. So uh, just watch for that. We'll have signups online for that. We have pen and paper in the back if you need anything. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be uh, going to Colossians today. Uh, super appreciative. Uh, Keith and his wife Sarah are here today, and um, it's been great just to get to know them uh, over the last, how, how many years has it been? When did we first, was it three or four years ago? Maybe five years ago. So we've known each other for a while, and uh, you guys were in the, was it the Philippines or Thailand? And it was neat hearing about different strategies they were doing. So they moved their family, young kids. Uh, move there, and uh, and then just the different ways they were trying to reach uh, the people there, and where you really had to strategize and think about it. And so they are back here, living in. Are you guys in Oceanside or Carlsbad or Carlsbad? So now you're suffering in Carlsbad. So be praying for them. <laughs> but it's great because they love uh, the beach life. It really fits them. And then now um, Keith is working for an organization where he gets to help raise support and help kind of promote. Um, more and more missions and outreach, Bible translations, getting around the world. So that missions is still a part of uh, their life. And so today, what you guys are going to be hearing is from someone that's done it and done it sacrificially and is still doing it. And so I'm excited for our church today just to be able to hear uh, from him. Definitely say hi to them uh, after church. Give them a high five. And uh, if you want to talk to them more, uh, feel free. But let me pray. We're going to pop up a video, you guys, a short video for you. And then Keith is going to come up. And he's just going to share his heart with you guys. Jesus, um, it's easy for us to forget what's most important. Like, it's human beings, we're kind of naturally distracted. And we tend to put off things that we know we need to do. And we can then just do things we want to do. But it's not the most productive or the most important. And we recognize that. We're very broken. Lord, I pray your spirit would energize us today. We would see ourselves more than just 
a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, an employee as just a person. Maybe even we view ourselves as a victim. Maybe we view ourselves as someone that's broken. Maybe we view ourselves as someone that's alone. We have all these views of ourselves. And the greatest view is that we are children of God. You created us, that you put your spirit in us when we give our lives to you. So we have incredible value. Lord, help us to understand today that you want to partner with us. You want to partner with us to change lives forever. It could be one person. It could be 10. Each of us have different assignments. I pray you'd open our eyes. You'd open our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you give Keith just a confidence. He knows some of us well. He doesn't know the others, but he would just preach out of honoring you, Lord, and whatever we need to hear, that we would accept it from you today, Jesus. God, thank you that we get to do this assignment with you. May we trust you more than we fear people. May we be honest with our own insecurities. And may we lay those at the crossing. I trust you, Jesus. And we'd follow the assignments that you have for us, whether it's organizationally as a church or maybe individually throughout our week. We lift our hearts and minds up to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Es-tu arracheté pour Dieu par ton sang des hommes de toute tribu, de toute langue, de tout peuple et de toutes les nations? From the beginning to now, our mission is to be connected to the Bible, and we have never been connected to the Bible. Every person, our language, our culture, our nation. We have been connected to the Bible. 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 Dando la bienvenida a familias latinoamericanas huyendo de pandillas y amenazas de muerte. Мы представим надломленному миру надежду и примирение в Господе нашем и Спасителе Иисусе Христе. From every nation, every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the throne, and before the Lamb, and before the Lamb, and before the Lamb. Good morning, everyone. Isn't that an exciting video?
I wanted to start with that video this morning just because I think it's a really good reminder that we are not just an isolated group of people uh, up here, right? You're not just a random church, but you're part of something bigger. And uh, I'm always excited to know that right now in churches like this around the United States, uh, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, which this part is, this church is affiliated with, uh, there are people worshiping in 38 different languages around the U.S. I, I think one of the most exciting statistics is the Alliance is about 130 years old, and in the U.S. there's about 2,000 uh, churches with, I think, about uh, 500,000 members, all right? But outside of the U.S., there's more than 6 million people worshiping in Alliance churches. What's really exciting is, um, so about 130 years ago, uh, the guy who started the Alliance, his name was A.B. Simpson, and Simpson pastored a really prominent church in Manhattan, in New York City. And on Simpson's days off, Simpson would go down to the docks where there were immigrants coming in to the country, uh, primarily Italian immigrants, the interesting thing is, today when we think of Italians, we're like, oh, that's just a, a regular you know, group as a part of America. But 130 years ago, the most disliked group coming into America were the Italians, actually. Uh, they felt like they were going to pollute the religion of America because they were primarily Catholic, not Protestant. Uh, they had fears of crime, right, because there was the whole mafia frenzy. And so they're like, we really don't want these people coming into the United States. So Simpson goes down, spends his days with these people. They end up getting saved. He brings them back to his church. He's stoked about this. Uh, his church is like, that's cool, but they don't really belong in our church. Right? We're an upper-class, monocultural church. Maybe we could establish a side group for those people. And that side group eventually was established, and it became what we're a part of today, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. The question is, though, how does a movement go from one random guy going down to the docks, leading a few immigrants to Christ, to a worldwide movement that's in about 80 countries with 6 million people? The answer is it goes like that, A, of course, from the movement of the Holy Spirit, but B, because of churches like yours right here, right? churches like Access Church that are focused in a twofold focus, that are focused on the community that you're put in, right? You have a people group around you to reach, you're on mission, but also have a global focus as well, right? Realizing that you're part of something bigger, that we need to bring the good news of Christ to those around the world who have no gospel access. All right, so to go back a little bit and reintroduce myself, uh, any of you guys remember me here at the church? Brian, good, okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're the Nigenfeinds, uh, Keith and Sarah, and we have uh, two kids, Lauren and Margaret. They were in here a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, we were here about five years ago. We spoke when you were at the other elementary school, and then we came and visited you guys last summer, and we sweated it out with you uh, outside. Uh, we made sure not to come back until you found an inside space, so that's why, that's why we agreed to come back and hang out with you guys. Um, but part of our story was we were in Thailand. If you want to go to the next slide. Um, so when we came here four years ago and spoke, at that point we had done kind of church planting in the villages. Uh, we worked in a rural area of Thailand. We helped with two church plants that were in uh, kind of in the middle of the rice fields out in the middle of nowhere um, in really unreached areas. Uh, what we saw, though, as we were out there was 
we would share the gospel with people, and a typical response would be, we believe what you're saying is true, we think it's good, but we don't want to become a Christian. And for us, from a Western standpoint, that's kind of craziness, right? If something's true and if something's good, easy solution, we'll take that. But because of societal pressures, cultural pressures, and I think spiritual darkness as well, we saw that the people were not very receptive. But what we did see is we saw people were going away to university, and they were more open to truth, and they were coming to the Lord. So we thought, maybe we need to go back to the capital and work with university students. Uh, so then the second thing we thought was, um, how can I not just be like, hey, I'm Keith the missionary, and then people run away from me. Uh, how can I actually have an organic connection with these people? So I enrolled in a PhD program at the university there and did my doctorate in philosophy and religion and then used that as a platform to plant on a university campus. So I enrolled in the program. We started a thing that's called Alliance University Center. Uh, you can see it there. We would run games, parties, teach English. Uh, we did everything we could to get people in the door, and the greatest part about it was a church was started there as well. We saw people get saved, people get baptized. I remember we were running a, a Bible study once. We ended up planting in English because we ran a Bible. We wanted to plant in Thai. We speak Thai. We had done ministry in Thai, but we started a Bible study on campus, and pretty soon we had nine people, and they were from 12 countries. So we were like, we can't do this in Thai. We need to have an international church. Um, and I think the most exciting thing was, is, I don't know how to do is, uh, past tense or present tense when dealing with Thailand because they're 14 hours ahead right now. So Thailand lives in the future. Um, 14 hours ago or this morning, however you want to look at it, uh, they still had their church service this morning. So we thank God for that. Uh, I share that story though, not just because that's what Sarah and I did, but I share that story because you guys had a part in that, right? Your guys' church has supported the Great Commission Fund and supported Alliance missionaries around the world. Um, I remember many times jumping on a Zoom with Brian in Thailand and him saying, how can I pray for you guys? How can I be behind your ministry? And what's exciting is what we did in Thailand, that was just one small story of what's going on around Alliance missions around the world. Uh, I wrote some of them down. In, in Burkina Faso, uh, people are digging wells uh, to provide water to communities that have no water access. In Jordan, they have a community center uh, that's providing education for women and children who would have no access to education. In Guadalajara, there's a church planting movement. I love the story. So on the first day they were going to plant this church in Guadalajara, uh, the cartels came in and said, you won't be planting a church here. Five years later and three churches later, I think the cartels were wrong apparently about that in gabon they have the only acceptable hospital in the area and you know how like when you go to a hospital here they won't let you in or they won't let you leave until you've shown your insurance right well they have a different kind of method at this hospital uh, at this hospital you cannot leave until someone has shared the gospel with you so i like that much better uh, than the insurance policy uh, in Indonesia, they had a great success working with the tribal groups. So there's, a, there's an Indonesian church of 500,000 people who are members of Alliance churches in Indonesia. But what happened was when they went in the country, the tribal people were super receptive to the gospel, but the Muslim population was not. So now there's a joint effort between American missionaries and Indonesian tribal missionaries to reach uh, the rest of Indonesia for Christ. 
Taiwan, they have a coffee shop ministry. In North Africa, they're getting into countries that they've never got into before. Post-Christian Germany, they're working with artists in Berlin, uh, trying to get into the post-Christian art community there. In China, they're working both with the underground church and the government church. In Lebanon, they have the only seminary in the Middle East where people from other Middle Eastern countries can come and go to the seminary and go back to their home countries. I think you guys are familiar with people who've come here, the, uh, the Foxes, right? Some of you know the name, the Foxes, uh, who are in Spain working with refugees and immigrants from countries we could never get gospel access into. Another family named the Woods who's working uh, in Central Asia, and the list could go on and on and on, right? And it's exciting because as you watch that video and as you hear that, that's something that you're a part of, right? That's part of mission and being on mission in the Alliance family. But as uh, Pastor Brian said earlier, I don't just want to talk about what those people are doing overseas, right? I could sit up here this morning and just share story after story, and we could just, you know, rah, rah, that's great, and leave pumped. But I want to talk a little bit about what does mission mean for you, right? What does it mean to be a people of mission? And what does that look like when we say uh, we're a people on mission? What does that look like? And so I want to look this morning at the twofold nature of what missions mean. Um, so if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at Colossians 4, verse 2 through 6. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. If you're trying to find it, Colossians is in between Genesis and Revelation in that general area. So turn there and you'll eventually run across it. One th- is that the page? Okay, 1,857. Uh, turn there. And I'll read for us this morning. It says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's pray this morning before we jump in. God, we love you. We give you this morning. Lord, we pray that you may be here, uh, that, that what is spoken today may glorify you. God, Holy Spirit, we invite you in here this morning. Uh, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this passage, kind of a background to this passage in Colossians, is Paul is writing this letter in jail. Okay, So Paul is in prison writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Uh, One thing that we forget, I don't know about you when you think about Paul, but when I typically think about Paul, I kind of picture, wrongly, I picture like an old guy sitting in a room with a bunch of scrolls, right, like writing books, okay? But Paul, by every definition of the word, was a missionary, right? Paul would go to countries and places that had no gospel access, lead people to Christ, establish a center, right? And then he would move to the next region. How was Paul able to do this? Paul had a network of churches behind him that would pray for him, financially support him, right, so he could go on his journey. Sound familiar? This is what we are doing 2,000 years later as part of the Alliance, right? Same method. 
Um, this church in Colossae is not what you would call a solid church. Uh, this is probably what you would call today a developing church. If you read the rest of Colossians, you're going to read like Paul speaking about very, very uh, simple concepts. Like you probably should put Christ first in your life. Okay? Uh, Paul addresses things that would be typically for new believers. Why is that significant? Because a lot of times when we think about missions and we think about evangelism, we think, oh, that's kind of for those grade A super Christians, right? I'm just kind of like a, a C minus Christian or a D Christian, right? So I can't think about evangelism or I can't think about missions. But Paul calling the church in Colossae to missions means what? No matter where you are in your walk, if you say, I follow Jesus, missions, right? The proclamation of the good news of Jesus is for you, right? It's for everyone. Something that I want you to notice as well about this passage is what I like to call uh, a yo-yo element going on in this passage. Everyone know what a yo-yo is in here? Okay. Throw it down, comes back up. Anyone have the yo-yo man come to your school in high school? Anyone know the yo-yo man? He's coming to your school on Monday. Okay, sweet. Good. Perfect timing for that example. So when I was a kid, we'd have yo-yo man come to school, right? And yo-yo man was simultaneously the nerdiest and coolest guy of all time, all wrapped into one, right? This nerdy-looking guy would show up, okay? But he would have these yo-yos that had awesome names like the Thunder Dragon or like Nuclear Blast, right? And then he'd do all these tricks online. Yo-Yo Man was a swindler uh, because he'd do these tricks and he'd be like, you buy this yo-yo for, you know, 15 bucks and you can do that too. And I would save up my money and buy that yo-yo and get home and within five minutes I'd be like, terrible, you know? But somehow every year I'd still get another one. Um, we're getting off track here. Uh, Yo-yos, right? <laughs> down and up, down and up, right? That's what a yo-yo does. Paul in this passage is going to yo-yo responsibility for missions, right? You're going to see that twofold element where Paul is going to be like, here's the responsibility for missions, right? Here's how you can look after the missionaries, but here's the responsibility for you for missions in your context, right? Missions, responsibility for missionaries, missions, responsibility for you and your setting. And so I want us to notice that as Paul's going to go back and forth between those two. All right? So let's jump into the text. So the first thing that Paul covers is this, in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. When you read that initially, when I read that initially, I think, oh, this means that we need to be prayerful for the missionaries, we need to be watchful for places to send the missionaries, thankful that they're going, right? But what does verse 3 say? Verse 3 starts with the word, and pray for us. So, who are you praying for in verse 2? Right? Yourselves. Yourselves, right? This is you waking up and saying, okay, Lord, who is it in my life, in my school, in my work, in my context, that you can put before me, right? Praying for yourself in evangelism. It's you being watchful, looking around and saying, where are opportunities that I have to share the gospel with people, right? In my setting, in my school, in my community. And it also says thankful. Uh, why does it say thankful? I think all of us are here because there's somebody either directly in our relationships or in our family line who brought the good news of Christ to us. So for me, my great-grandparents moved to San Diego in the late 1800s or early 1900s. Uh, they weren't believers. Uh, my grandmother was a young girl, and 
My great-grandmother was at a bank, worked at a bank downtown San Diego, and some lady from First Alliance Church brought my great-grandmother to church, where my grandmother ends up giving her life to Christ. My grandparents were missionaries for 40-some years. Uh, We served overseas for years. Why? Because some lady at the bank in San Diego was willing to step out and have that awkward conversation, right? It's not always easy to share Christ with people around us, but was willing to step out in faith and invite my great-grandmother to the bank. All of us in this room, you have the ability to be complete family line shifters, right? Our family line is forever not the same. Why? Because someone had the audacity to step out and share Christ, right? Thankful for that. In a little bit, we'll talk a little more about methods and ways. I know we're like, oh, how, how do I share the gospel with people? We'll look at that. I have a, a way that we'll look at a little bit uh, in what I'm doing now. All right? So prayerful, watchful, thankful. That's on, that's on us, okay? Then the yo-yo is going to switch, and it's going to talk about the missionaries. Verse 3 says this, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I think verse 3 and 4 are a really weird passage. Uh, I kind of think it's very odd for Paul. Two reasons. One, where's Paul right now? You remember? Paul's in jail, okay? Let's role play for a bit. Let's say we're back in the field, okay? And I type you my prayer letter to access church. I'm in jail. What do you think my prayer letter is going to ask prayer for? for you guys. Pray that I can get out of prison, right? Like, hey guys, I'm in jail. Pray that I can leave jail, so therefore I can go do my ministry again. But not Paul, right? Paul was so laser-focused on gospel proclamation that Paul's not concerned about where he is. Paul just says, pray that I can proclaim it clearly as I should. Second thing weird about this passage. Okay, you're in school, you're in seminary, you're studying to become a minister. You're like, I want to learn how to share the good news of Jesus better. Whose works are you probably going to study? Paul's, right? Who wrote a large swath of the New Testament? Paul. So part of me is like, Paul, you don't really need help <laughs> proclaiming the gospel clearly, right? Like that seems a little bit like a waste of prayer here. You, you seem pretty good, like you understand the concepts. But what did Paul understand? Paul understood very clearly that without the supernatural equipping of the Holy Spirit, he could do nothing. What's Paul's famous passage? When I am weak, I am what? Strong. Because Paul realized that when he's weak, he's not relying on his giftings, his intellect, his skill set, but he's coming back to the feet of Jesus and saying, I need your supernatural equipping in my life. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says this, Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Right? This is bad news in that it means that we're incompetent, and it's good news in that it means no matter where we are, no matter who we are, right? the supernatural equipping of God entails the work. Fun fact, you ever wonder why it's called the Christian and Missionary Alliance? That's kind of weird why there's an and in there. Well, Simpson actually started two groups that were interdenominational. One was called the Missionary Alliance. That's self-explanatory, right? Getting the whole gospel out to the whole world. But another one was 
he was noticing that a lot of churches, people weren't encountering Jesus. They were just kind of going to church, going through the motions, right, singing the songs, and they weren't experiencing the deeper life, right, the spirit-filled life where, where the Holy Spirit of God was truly encompassing every area of our life. So we started a group called the Christian Alliance that was like, let's get a bunch of Christians together to experience God deeper. And then he's like, hey, these would probably go pretty good together. Right? So that's, that's the backbone, that's the DNA of who we are. right? Spirit-filled people. And as I look around this room and I think about all of us in this room, there is more untapped spiritual power in this room than we have any clue. Right? There is a lot of kingdom advancement that can and will happen from this group in here if we're willing to come back to the source, right? And be spirit-filled people. And as you're praying for the missionaries, right? This is really good to remember. Prayer for them to proclaim it clearly. Prayer that God will open doors, right? Those are probably the two most vital prayers when praying for our missionaries. God's power to rest on them and that God will open the doors, not them. We saw God open countless doors for us in ministry, and we know that the root of it was because of praying people around us. All right, and then finally it ends with this. The yo-yo goes back down, and it says this in verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's a pretty big statement there. Make the most of every opportunity. Do you do this? If I'm honest standing here before you, I know there'll be one day where I stand before the Lord and I'm going to look back on my life and I'm going to see opportunity after opportunity that I missed. Right? It's going to happen to all of us. The question, though, that I want to pose this morning to all of us is, are you willing to give God every opportunity? That's a different question. Do we live lives that are bifurcated where it's like, all right, this is my Jesus time, right? When I'm at church, when I'm at outreach, whatever, but then this is my time, like when I'm on vacation, when I'm at my work. Like, do you have a separate life or are you willing to say, all right, God, all time is your time. I'm willing to be used by you. We may think, what are ways to be used in these ways? Um, I, I wanted to share a minute of, of the group that I'm working with now. It's called, you can go to the next slide, uh, the Pocket, anyone heard of the Pocket Testament League? Great, somebody's pumped about the Pocket Testament League. Awesome, good, all right. Well, you can leave for this next part as I share about this. Uh, but, uh, so anyone heard of Cadbury Chocolates? Great, oh yeah, okay. So it's actually traced to the Cadbury Chocolates. So if you like Cadbury Chocolates, good, you like the Pocket Testament League then as well. Um, so the daughter of Mr. Cadbury, her name was Helen Cadbury, when she was 14 years old, or 12 years old, one of those in that range, um, she went to a gospel outreach at a church, ends up getting saved. God radically saves her. The next day, she's so excited about this that she goes to visit her best friend at school, um, shares the good news of Christ with her best friend. Her best friend's like, no, 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 I already go to church. That's cool. She's like, no, no, it's not about going to church, right? Shares the gospel with her from the gospel of John. Her friend gets saved. Next thing, her and her friend start bringing their Bibles every day, like this, like big old school Bibles to school, and um, 80 of their friends get saved at school. Right? 
They're like, this is great, but they're like, this is really annoying to have to carry this everywhere we go. So they talk to Daddy Cadbury, and they say, hey, could you print these Gospels that are just the New Testament that are smaller, and we will sew pockets into our dresses and put them into our dresses and then take them everywhere we go, right? So the league, the Pocket Testament League, was born, right? Eventually, over the years, uh, they shrunk it to things like this. Booklets of John, just the Gospel of John, right? And these are really simple ways. What I love about it is this has nothing to do with our ability, right? This is not like the coolest, greatest idea, right? But it's a simple way for you to carry around the Word of God, right? And to, and to get this Word out, right? To share Gospels of John with people. And it still fits in a pocket. You don't even need a dress for it as well. The League's in 35 countries. It was really cool. I was just in Zambia uh, two weeks ago. And I saw 150,000 of these passed out and shared, and I saw 7,000 people make a commitment of some form to either rededication or to following Christ, right? Yeah, you can clap for that. That's an exciting thing, right? If you're interested, find me after the service. Uh, I'm not running away anywhere, and I can talk to you more about that. Just a practical way to get involved. Paul goes on to this, right? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's interesting, in our group, and I think a lot of the groups as we were talking, a lot of people talked about damage control, uh, negative stereotypes that Christians have, right, in the community. Uh, anyone really excited about the way the church is portrayed in the media uh, today? Anyone like, yes! No, why? I think it's twofold. I think there's a, a, a little bit where we need to own it, right? There's a little bit of We've done it to ourselves. I think a lot of it, though, is, is the media, right? We need to put it on the media, and I think there's a negative Christian bias. But why is there a negative thing that we can own? I think it has to do with this concept of grace and salt. Right? Grace and salt. What does a church look like that's full of salt and no grace? It looks like we have the truth of God's Word, right? We get our ethics, our morals. We understand that, that through the death and resurrection is the only way to salvation, but how is it communicated? Bam, right? right? It's this strong thing that is not done in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness is a Christian trait. It's biblical. And self-control, right? We have the truth without the grace, right? The other way, though, that might be more common in today's society is we have those traits. We have the grace, the love, right? But we're finding our ethics and our morality not grounded on the Word of God, but we're finding it through what society tells us is right, right? People are, are basing their moral code off of Instagram and Twitter more than they are off of the Word of God. And if we are going to be an effective church, right? a gospel-proclaiming, kingdom-advancing church, then everything needs to be done with grace and salt at the same time. So I just want to end this morning and put it back on you. What is it going to take for you to be a kingdom people? Right? What does it mean to be a people of mission? I wanted to end with this quote that I absolutely love. It's a quote from, we started with A.B. Simpson, let's end with him. This is a quote that's a hundred and whatever years old, but I think it's just as relevant today. The quote says this, God loves to use men in unconventional ways. The need of the church today is not a larger number of clergymen, but a larger number of men and women in social, secular, and professional life 
whose entire influence and talents are at the service of the master. Not a salaried independent priesthood who preach the gospel because it's expected of them merely, but a great body of consecrated irregulars who use their, use their earthly station in the providence of God as a standpoint from which to serve and witness for their heavenly master and bless their fellow men. I love that phrase, consecrated irregulars. Right? If we use that in modern English, we might say like, Weird people who are set apart to do great things. Right? Are we willing to go and be consecrated irregulars? Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We thank you that you choose us, God, to accomplish your will here on earth, Lord. I pray for Access Church. I pray that you'll raise up missionaries, raise up kingdom advancers, raise up evangelists, raise up a body of consecrated irregulars to advance your kingdom and to proclaim your good news, Lord. We need your equipping in our life. I pray that you may come and supernaturally give us a, not only a passion for the loss, Lord God, but give us success in our advancement of your kingdom. We love you. We give you our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. We're going to head into uh, a time of, uh, of some worship and reflection. And, you know, that word consecrated means... Uh, to be set aside for special use. Actually, it means to be purified for special use and that your life, when the Holy Spirit's in you, that he has special use for you. And we talk about this a lot, that a lot of times we focus on what is God doing in me? And a lot of times God's like, don't worry about that. Let me work through you. As we talk about obstacles, what I believe is we are usually our own greatest obstacle. Our busyness, Sometimes our selfishness, just thinking about ourselves. Um, sometimes just us wandering and we're still dealing with our own sins and our sins blind us to the opportunity. And God's like, listen, I've forgiven them. Work on it, but don't be consumed by yourself. The greatest thing you can do in your life, just so you know, is not build a business. Wealth is not personal health is not how you look. The greatest thing you could do is someone that is destined for death to be separated from God is to give them an opportunity to have life forever. I just want you to know that will be the, your greatest accomplishment. And guess what? No matter how many sins you work on, when you leave this life, there will still be some that Jesus is like, yeah, I just didn't have time to work on it. <laughs> 90 years wasn't enough. I need like 300 years to work on it. You know, it's just, okay, you're saved by grace. Live that out but I got all these sins. Yeah, welcome. The whole church does, right? And so we give that to him. We work on that, but we're on mission for him. I want to encourage some of us right now because some of us are like, man, I got these small kids and they're like, yeah, parenting is missions. Make sure your kids know Jesus, not just get a 4.0 and can kick a soccer ball. Make sure they know Jesus. That's missions. Missions in your neighborhood. Some of us are going to be compelled today by, you know, going on maybe the website, supporting Keith. When you give to the church, we give money. We don't tell you about it. We just give it to missionaries. That's what we do in Mexico. Are we praying for the orphanage down there that they can reach these kids? All kinds of opportunities. May God speak to you during this time of worship, and may he lead you. Uh, communion is a time for us to remember that we are consecrated. We're covered by his blood. 
And so if any of you are feeling guilty today and your guilt's keeping you from reaching people, God's like, get rid of that guilt. That's from Satan, not from God. So you can just remember, you're saved by grace. And so uh, just going to the cross, because when you're motivated by the cross, when you're thankful, it's like when you go to a good restaurant, you can't help. We've been there, right? You eat the food, you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to post about this. I can't wait to tell people about it. And yet we treat Jesus like he's like, eh, he, that, that's okay. When you take communion, just remember, I am stoked about Jesus, what he's done in my life. That's naturally going to compel you then. That's naturally going to compel you to invite people to church or to talk to them about Jesus. So, um, so I just invite you during worship, take communion if you want. You can take it by yourself or with family, uh, whatever you want to do to prepare yourself uh, this week. So Jesus, we consecrate ourselves as a church. And Jesus, we have so many distractions. And I think they're legit. But sometimes they're not the most important as far as where our passions are or what we're praying about. Because when this life's over, God, so many of our problems financially and relationally and work-wise, we're going to be like, oh, my God, that wasn't even a big deal. And like he said, you're trying to be like, listen, I got opportunities for you. I'll take care of your finances. I'll take care of your relationships. I'll take care of your health. Trust me with that. But then I need to trust you with reaching people. And so, God, I pray you bring people to our minds that we'd already start praying during worship, not just for ourselves. Lord, maybe for some of us, you've called us to be vocationally, leave things, leave our comfort. We're gonna be traveling around the world. Lord, may we not be fearful, but trust you completely and however you lead us. We worship you now. You are good, you are powerful, and you deserve not only our worship, but you deserve our time and our efforts in reaching others and saving them, Lord. So we worship you now in your name. Amen. What a song to end with. Um, if you're saying those words, uh, they're pretty heavy, just so you know. And that we won't be shaken. What does shaken mean? Distracted. We're going to walk out of here, and I guarantee there's going to be all kinds of distractions. There's going to be people's expectations, your own expectations, the world's expectations, and God goes, no, build, build your life on my love. And then open my eyes give me your heart because when you have the when you have the heart of God you can't help but want to see people come to him you can't help it and I want to encourage you with this it's not up to you to save someone that's a supernatural thing God does he's just saying can you open the door can you open the door I want to use you I want you to participate to see what it's like to be part of something supernatural but if someone says no, God says, don't worry about it. Keep looking. Keep searching. Because you have the heart of God. And that's what this whole thing comes down to, you guys. Keith, thank you so much. This is a great word for our church. This is a great service. Um, yeah. Thank you, worship team, you guys. That, that was really, we appreciate it. Showing up early, practicing, getting ready. Uh, you guys, I hope you have a great week, but not just a great week where you enjoy it, but a great week where God uses you. That next week, maybe we can come back and celebrate. Connection groups. Um, if you're not in a connection group, we meet in homes. You can sign up online or just talk to myself or Laura Lee and talk to other Christians, be encouraged, pray together. That's vital to keeping this fire going. And so I uh, just encourage you to uh, get in a home group. And uh, we, we're going to be meeting all the way just before uh, Thanksgiving, so you have plenty of time to sign up and be discussed and praying with other people. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.